Welcome to the Encore Audio Video Podcast. Innovative technology simplified with the Encore Systems designers, Jeff Grove and Clark Von Trotha. Here's your host, Luke Anderson. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome into the latest episode of the Encore Audio Video Podcast. I'm your host, Luke Anderson, sitting across from me, Clark Von Trotha. Just off to my left, Jeff Grove. Gentlemen, what is happening? Luke, how are you? Happy New Year. Yeah, Thank Happy you. New Year. Happy New Year to you. Uh, very excited about today's conversation. It is something yeah. near and dear to my heart. It is about the theater experience. Now, yeah. I do not have the theater experience at home, but I have had the privilege of going to a few very, very nice home theaters. My wife worked in the theater business, as you both know, for a little yeah. while. So I have had yeah. experiences from the oversized Megadome IMAX theaters to the intimate uh, living room style theaters that yeah. have become popular uh, when you go out to a movie. And then I've been lucky enough to have some private screenings in some uh, celebrity, I, I won't brag, but mm. some celebrity screenings wow. uh, once That's upon awesome. a time in my life. So uh, okay. gentlemen, tell me a little bit about where the best place to start when you have a conversation about home theaters. What exactly are you talking about when you say home theater? Usually the first thing we ask our clients is the room itself. You know, what is okay. the, what's going to make sense for that space, both visually and audio wise. Uh, and on a, on the uh, video side of things, typically it's sort of delineating, Hey, does a projector and screen combination make sense maybe for this space where that combination, and we can demonstrate that here at our design center. Um, you know, sometimes when you watch a film and it has the black bars on the top and the bottom that no one really likes to look at, on a regular 16.9 high-def TV. Well, with a screen, we have options now, both manual and motorized, where, and depending on the projection combination, where you can eliminate those black bars. So you can enlarge it like a theater does and have multiple aspect viewing experiences with a projector, which you can't do in any other way in a theater room. So that's one thing. It's kind of delineating, yeah. do you want a two-piece system, you know, a projector and screen type situation and have kind of the ultimate experience? Or no, I'm going to settle for... A great experience, but just more of a television and sound a solution with well, that. Well, let me ask you a question. So the first thing we're doing is starting with the room. I can't imagine that you've ever been invited in to look at a room and go, this is too big. Maybe too open, maybe too much light. Yeah. What's too small for a room? Is there... You know, that's changed a lot over the years. Uh, you know, a lot of people in the older days, they would settle for smaller TVs because that's what was available uh, and... <laughs> you know, the trend is every year, it seems like that just that notch goes higher and higher just because resolutions improved and you can look at a larger TV now and it looks phenomenal with the great 4k sources we have now. So both streaming and on disc and so on. Um, but I don't think there really is a, I mean, obviously if it's a, a, a room that's a a tiny, we're not putting in a closet, but, but certainly, you know, we've done a lot of theater rooms in rooms that are 10 by 10, 12 okay. by 12 over the years, bedrooms, little bedrooms, you know, somebody yeah. that will, will have a, a room that becomes available in their home that, that is a bedroom and wants to turn it into a, a screening-type situation. And, okay, well, you're probably only going to get a couple seats in there, so, you know, you're not inviting the whole family in. But maybe that's all they need or maybe that's all they want. Uh, and completely doable. We just have to scale, obviously, the, the image and the sound for a room that's smaller versus bigger, can fit into a bigger room. Okay. Well, I mean, it makes sense when you're scaling the television. So you're talking about the options, you know, of course, being the, the technology for televisions. It's not going to be long before we're talking about 8K in television sure. performance. 
but with a screen and projector, you said that's the mm-hmm. ultimate, right? It is, yeah. So if you're doing the ultimate... 10 by 10, is that too small of a space to Probably. Put in? Okay. Probably. Yeah, you have to have a certain amount of what we call throw distance from the projector to the screen uh, to uh, effectively create the image size that most people would want with that kind of combination. And normally the cutoff on that, and we've talked about this too, I know, over the years, but typically once you start getting over about 85 inches or so, you we're, we're usually looking into some kind of a projection solution. There are folks who do do televisions that are larger. In fact, we're showing a 100-inch here. Um, but in norm, normally, uh, people would opt to do a projector cause that's where the, the cost value kind of starts to shift into that world. Um, and you, and ideally with a projector too, you want to like, I was talking about with the room, you want to have some light control, yeah. you know, a little bit more uh, than you sense. would with a television that's backlit or, or, uh, controlled more. But we have spaces, we've got a project that we're working on right now that, that, uh, has a dedicated screening room. And since it's a new build, they were able to alter the, the dedicated screening room to, to do this multi-aspect ratio conversation because the room was a little small front to back before. So it got extended out to, I think it was, what, 14 feet or something. Yeah. And uh, with that distance, putting the projector actually kind of behind the back wall, so kind of like a you know an actual movie theater where you don't see the thing hanging from the ceiling. It's actually shooting through some glass in the back. Uh, same kind of concept. That distance is is far enough that now we can actually do 100 inch screen that's 169, 125 inch that's the 235, the wider aspect ratio, and I can do both of those from that distance, no problem at all. Okay. So it doesn't have to be huge uh, to to accomplish what we're talking about. And usually, too, if you're going to do a projector, most folks who are doing that are, uh, you know, a lot of them are avid sports fans, you know, because they want to see it on a larger s- screen. Um, but oftentimes there's a movie or, or a cinema element to that, you know, sure. because they want it kind of creates that cinema experience, um, which then kind of leads into audio. Well, uh, that's exactly what I was going to say. The, yeah. I mean, the, the real feel that you get from the cinema experience is that surround sound, that yeah. Atmos feel where where you can feel like you're submersed into a movie. And obviously the sound design for a movie a lot different than the sound design for uh, this weekend's Super Bowl. Yeah. 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 So, uh, again, tailoring that system to the room. Um, and usually there becomes even more budgetary conversations because sound systems have a pretty vast price point on them. Yeah. So but Even more so than projectors because projectors not all created equal. Um, to some extent, yes. I mean... So with projectors, of course, you can spend more than you can on a car. Uh, th- that being said, if you spend between ten dollars to $20,000 on a projector versus a $60,000 projector, usually what you're getting is the ability for brightness. So just if there's more light in the room and or you just want a really large image, then that more expensive projector becomes more important. But in rooms like what we're talking about, I mean, you can have what I would call bomber, amazing, crazy stuff in that ten to twenty thousand dollar price range on a projector. 
and and all you have to do is just cut out the light, and then that the difference between the the lumens that you're getting out of your projector. Correct. Or, or just put a piece of cardboard up in the window, and you're good. Well, we Maybe sell, not. We, we sell window, Maybe not we sell window uh, treatments. That's a different that, podcast. The Clark had uh, what I said. We're that. not going to allow that. Look. We're not going to allow that. <laughs> if you spend twenty thousand dollars on a projector and you just put up the box, I think from you mean. Projector I think you mean. Ta- I think you mean talking to us about some Hunter Douglas shade shading exactly, solution. That's, that's what a different you mean. podcast. Oh, yeah. exactly. but, but yes, we, we well, do. That have, is part of the home theater. Is if you're is. going to have the experience, you want to have that immersive. You cut out all the light. And let the sound really dominate. Well, it, gets, so, it gets into what I was saying about just the room. You know, yep. starting with that room and getting the room really prepped, the best experience fidelity wise. Because you, you want to block out all the other sound, and we've talked about this before. A perfectly yep. square room is not great for audio. Correct? It is not. Yeah, it is not. So, so picking picking a speaker system that makes sense for the room, both in in scale and performance, and frankly, number of speakers. Because if the room's not real big, you don't need. 14 channels of audio, mm-hmm. you know, probably seven or eight is enough. Um, do, do the channels make a difference in the ultimate effect that you're going for, or is it more spatial? Because when we're talking about Atmos and you can hear that airplane start on one side of the room and fly over your head and finish in the back corner. So, yeah, so kind of backing up a little bit, just to give a, a, a quick history lesson here. Um in the initial stages of, of surround sound, when it was analog, it was typically four or five speakers and a subwoofer, and that was all listening level, but it wasn't dedicated audio. So it was taking a two-channel recording and doing some things to it to create surround channels, to create center channels, to pull some of the bass away to send it to a subwoofer. And then we basically got that same concept, but with Dolby Digital and, and the initial DTS, like when Jurassic Park came out, separated all those channels to fully dedicated channels digitally, full range, all of that. And then we had far better surround sound because it was dedicated information to all those speakers. The problem with that format is <clears throat> the the logic that's used on that is frankly not very smart. Uh, it's it's using what's called steering logic. So in the recording process, the the recording technician let's just for ease of, of conversation, say that they wanted a sound to move from one spot to another. They would literally take a joystick and just move it from one speaker <laughs> to another in the system. So it was just, it was just steering that information. Yeah. And with Dolby Atmos it, 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 or DTSX, same conversation, two different companies doing the same thing, just in, in the, with their own algorithm. Uh, <clears throat> it's very different. So, First off, you have listening level speakers, which is kind of that 5.1, those those speakers that are now supposed to be at ear level. Usually five speakers is the minimum. You can do more than that, but we'll just... For, point for simplicity. Of, for yeah. simplicity of the conversation, we'll just stick with that. And then you have these Atmos height channels, which for home application, there's usually two, four, very rarely six, but somewhere in that neighborhood. And those are about creating that spherical information when something needs to have some height to it. So then back to the recording side of things, the recording artist now has a full 3D rendering of a space. And if they want to create the sound of the airplane from Top Gun moving from point A to point B in the room, wherever those points are, they quite literally create those points in space and time and say, move from here to there, however, whatever speed they want that to move. And that goes into the recording in a three-dimensional way. 
Interesting. Then on the decode, we've said, okay, we have the 5.1 speakers at listening level. We've got four speakers up in the ceiling, and they're, they're spaced this way at this distance with this height of ceiling. All, all kinds of information has to be put into the system yeah. initially. So then the decoder says, okay, I see a sound that's supposed to happen from this point to this point in space and time. So to make that happen, I'm going to play this combination of speakers to this combination of speakers to make it actually sound like it went from that point to that point. So now we no longer have steering from speakers to speakers, but what they call placement logic. And even if you're not listening to something that's recorded in Atmos, this processor is so much better. It makes everything sound better. Yeah, so, and that's a, so, that's a so, real quick, that's a so, really important yeah, point, though, about that, what he's saying about makes everything sounding better. So even if you didn't have Atmos, even if we came in and did a, a 5.1 or 5.2, 7.1, yeah. 7.2, whatever system, but it didn't have the height channels, but you selected Atmos because your processor could do that, the bandwidth of that is increased as well. So okay. you're actually getting better sound versus the Dolby Digital counterpart of, of that. So let's go back to, to the difference yeah. between a 10 by 10 room and 20 by 20 room. Yeah. The, the sound is now directed across that space. Obviously, it's taking in the information yeah. of, of the way it's set up. Can you accomplish the same feel with less speaker placement in that smaller room? Yeah. And, yeah. and yes. in yeah. the bigger room, do you need to have more? Probably, okay. probably, probably, yeah. A lot of that also has to do with, uh, you know, um, not just the room, but where people are, are sitting in yeah. the room. Okay. So if you had a very, very large room, but hey, half the room isn't even being used. Gotcha. You're really in the front half of the room. Then we're going to orient the sound around where people are going to be, you know, because clearly that's where you're going to sit and watch a film. Um, so that can change that conversation a little bit. But in general, yes, you're adding yeah. more speakers. Num- number of seating positions, it, it really starts to dictate this conversation as well. Because if the room has two seats and I only need to worry about those two seats, then more likely than not, I don't need as many speakers. Gotcha. Um, whereas if it's you know two rows of seating and each row has six or eight seats in it, well now I've got a really different conversation. Yep. Well, that's that's a great point. So you've got you've got the room. Yep. Figure out the room. Figure out the space. Figure out the screen that you can fit in there. Obviously, most people I think are probably going to lean towards a. What's the biggest possible screen yeah, that sure. works in this Usually. room? Yeah. Now you figure out the sound, you figure out the speaker arrangement. <laughs> the seating chart is the <laughs> next thing, but it's not just where people are sit- sitting, it's how people are sitting. Because yeah. you can do some pretty cool things with the seating. Yeah. We're talking about the furniture, built-in speakers. Yeah. One of my favorite movie experience- experiences, they re-released the Star Wars trilogy, the original Star Wars trilogy mm-hmm. before the... Yeah, blasphemous new ones came out uh, yeah. when I was a kid. Uh, but we went up to uh, Castle Rock, Washington, and the nice. theater up there is designed with three rows of rumble seats for the Mount St. Helens eruption. Thing. Oh, yeah. Okay. And okay. so now you're sitting in the rumble seat, and they time it out. So instead of Mount St. Helens erupting, it's the Death Star exploding. Yes. And having the, you guys can do that stuff. Yeah. 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 yeah there, That's there, cool. there are seats that have basically bass shakers built into them. Yeah. So so you can add some of that kind of low frequency effect to 
not just having a subwoofer in the room, but actually having something that shakes you a little bit because well, that makes it feel even more impressive. And that's an important conversation about bass, you know, and how it reacts to a room because it does react differently than other speakers. And so when we talk about a 5.2, you know, or 5.2.2 or 5.2.4 or whatever, whatever scenario speaker package we're putting in the space for the appropriate seating points that Jeff was talking about, going with a... Um, uh, additional subwoofers for a space can really help pressurize a room equally. And, it, and a lot of people think, well, you're adding more subs because I, I want more bass in the space. Well, it does deliver that, sure. certainly, because you're adding more subs. But, but the real purpose if for it... If it's out of balance. Yeah, if it's out of balance. It, <laughs> yeah. but, 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 it will, but it will bring more bass in general. I mean, if you have one subwoofer versus three in a space, you're going to pressurize the room more. Yeah. But part of that experience, though, is having an equal experience so so bass waves travel differently than other speakers do and how they react in the space so having that will so if you have a row of seats like jeff was talking about where there's three or four people in a row of seats the people on the left side may be just fine with the bass but as you migrate to the right one of the people on that side might be i'm getting nothing because the bass wave is literally going right around him ah. in a kind of a node situation and so because of having multiple subs it helps to eliminate those problems and give you a more equal spread of bass throughout the space so that's another reason for that so, so yeah. finding something that's comfortable functional for the yeah. space i think is very important uh, yeah. you, you made another point earlier when we were just kind of previewing this before we open the microphones for recording <clears throat> You want something that's comfortable. If you're sitting through yeah. a three and a half hour movie, of course, or or a movie marathon, you have to watch all the best. I don't know Sarah Jessica Parker movies back to back to back. Yeah. Uh, then how about Lord of the Rings? As you do, yeah. as you do. <laughs> listen, I'm trying to think listen. of what's on on Clark's shelf, but yeah, listen. Lord of the Rings for you makes makes perfect sense. Listen, I I, I can take all the abuse. No, uh, <laughs> it's it's it is really important. You're absolutely right, Luke. I, it you know having a, sitting in a chair that's comfortable. Um, and the height of the chair, you know, and how that how that interacts with the height of both speaker placement and, and display or screen placement. If you're doing a projector, all those things matter. Um, uh, how far back you are from the display. All those things are taken into the, our calculus as we design. When we talk about furniture, it's not just the furniture. It's also the, that you're sitting in. It's also the furniture that's housing the electronics sure. that you have in there. That's something that you guys can help take care of as well. Yeah. What's important to think about, Jeff, when we're talking about furniture? It's not just how it looks. Well, usually it's we're, we're putting things in there that need to, in many cases, breathe. Uh, electronics don't like um, no air movement because they get warm. So things that are designed to help circulate some air through them. Uh, so just from a, a longevity standpoint, that's important. From an aesthetic standpoint, if, if that piece of furniture is going to reside in the room where the screen's at, most of these pieces of electronics have lights on them, and those can be very distracting when you're watching something. So having a nice way to conceal those, because frankly, we don't want to look at that stuff while we're trying to watch a movie. We want to pay attention to what's on the screen, not, not the blinky lights on the receiver and whatnot. Um, so, so a way to conceal those nicely. Um, and then some in some cases... Um, like what we have in our showroom here, uh, a piece of furniture that can actually contain and hide and house a speaker. So if it's directly below a screen, that can very often be a, a great location to hide a center speaker. So I don't have to mount it on the wall or put it yeah. in the wall or whatever. I can actually just put it in that piece of furniture. So um, all of those things. And then, of course, the aesthetic side of it, which is important with 
frankly, everything we do goes back to what do you want your sound to look like. Yep. Um, and furniture is a big part of that. So th- there's a lot of choices on that stuff. Well, I mean, I, I think the conversation, there was one word that is stuck in my head from the middle, and it's balance. Yeah. If, if, you're going to, if you're going to have a dedicated theater space, it's trying to figure out the balance between the size, the picture, the size, yep. and the audio. The audio with the picture, having the furniture fit, the feel, the aesthetic, everything. It's, it's definitely sounds like a balancing act. If you're, if you're trying to make a home theater that you want to sit in that center chair, what was the... What was the ad where it's the guy the with Max his Hell. hair? Yeah, the Max Hell tape ad from the 80s. Yeah, yeah. The, oh, yeah. the hair blown back, mm-hmm. sitting yeah. in just one chair in the center of the room, and that's sure. the audio that you want versus I'm having friends over, I'm having you know the whole family over, and I need right. 25 seats versus one seat. It does sound like it's a balancing act. And it's also taking the room and its effect out of the space. So the ideal theater room is a room where no matter what room we get served up, we create a system so that the room almost disappears and it sounds uh, larger than maybe it is or more, or, um, more intimate if it's a super large space for the, for the seating positions. I, I, just so had, I just had that image of you finish the trailers and all mm-hmm. the house lights go down, but that's exactly what the room does disappear. That, yeah, when you go into goal. a movie theater, the rest yep. of the crowd disappears, the rest Absolutely. of everything, and having that perfect dark moment before the, the opening credits start to roll, uh, yeah, that's a, that's a moment. I see exactly the, what you're the, saying. The yeah. term we would use for that is, is calibration. Yeah. It, it yeah. Is, and, and it's not just for the audio, it, it's for the video as well. The system needs to ultimately be calibrated so that things sync up in time, um, you, you can very often have, with some sources, some delays that we need to sync up so that the lips are moving at the same speed that the audio is coming out. <clears throat> so it's not like we're watching a, a Japanese Godzilla movie, right? We want yeah. those things to be timed properly. And then, of course, calibrating the system to the space, to the room. So sonically, we, we don't have this mismatch balanced of too much bass, not enough highs, or, or whatever it is. Yeah. All, all of that stuff. Well, and, and part yeah. of it, too, is you just want it to fit your aesthetic. You walk into yes. the room with the lights on. You want it to have that cool feel yeah. to it. Nobody's building a theater room because they, you know, well, some people are. I want to say nobody. But most people that are building a theater room, they want to share that experience with somebody. And having it fit your style and everything until that moment where the lights drop down is important. And finding that furniture that's comfortable enough, functional enough, looks cool. Get the one with the, the built-in well, beer yeah, right underneath absolutely. It. <laughs> yeah. And understanding too, you know, that, that the equipment that you're putting in audio and video wise, you know, and in, in the case of video, there are screens that are too large for a space, given how close you are to the screen and, yep. and vice versa. There are speakers that are too large for a space where you're going to get standing waves and problems, or you're certainly not going to get the benefits of going, you know, at a certain level up because the room's only going to deliver so much given its uh, capacity. And so Jeff's point about calibration and really understanding that falls on, that's a wide scope. It's not just calibrating the electronics for it. It's choosing the right equipment to start, which yeah. is where we well, come cho- in. Cho- yep. Choosing the right room. And if the right yeah. room isn't right to begin with, it's figuring out where, what, where the modifications need to be made. We, we have had that conversation before, and that is sometimes not a pretty one. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, the conversation <laughs> is where it starts. If you're interested yep. in uh, building a home theater and bringing that theater experience into your home, it starts with a conversation with the gentleman from Encore Video. They're down here in the Pearl District, yeah. 14th and Everett in Portland, Oregon. Uh, or you can find them online at EncoreAudioVideo.com. 
dot com. Uh, gentlemen, uh, we are sitting in your uh, theater room here at the uh, showroom, yeah. so it's uh, it's definitely a good conversation to have. Mm-hmm. Um, so, anything else that you would add to that if somebody's interested in building their own home theater? You know, the last part's probably simplicity of control. Uh-huh. And, and we've talked about control systems before in other podcasts, but ultimately, uh, whether you spend $10,000 or half a million dollars, if you can't control the system, you're probably not going to use it. Very true. So, um, and we'll just leave it at that because it's pretty simple. We just want something that's easy to control yeah. the, whole, the whole system. Yeah, well, and when, when you talk about control, you can set up the theater room to, to play your movies play your favorite TV shows, the the big game. Uh, You can play uh, video games on it, so you can use it for all of those things. But the more elements you add to it, the more important your point there, Jeff, which is make sure those controls work, and it's really simple. Yep, absolutely. All right. Gentlemen, thank you very much. If you'd like to hear any more thoughts on other aspects of home audio, home video, surveillance, whatever it is, there's plenty of podcasts in the catalog. And if there's something you can't find, hey, let these guys know and we'll make that our next Uncle Audio Video Podcast. Gentlemen. Sounds good. Thank Thank you, you, Luke. Yeah, thanks, Luke. Thank you for listening to the Encore Audio Video Podcast. If you have questions about today's topic or to schedule your free consultation with Jeff and Clark, go to EncoreAudioVideo.com.